0: This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Um, So this
1: film that we just watched is part of a three-film series, as everyone knows, called Dreaming Palestine, Occupation, Exile, and Return. I want to take inspiration from that title for my questions tonight and I'll start with occupation. Since this, uh, this film takes place in Nazareth, which is in, inside what, we, what uh, some people might call present-day Israel, it, it occurred to me that there, there might be some problem with the, the word occupation. So oftentimes when people refer to the occupied territories, they're talking about the West Bank, they're talking about Gaza referring with that term to the occupation that happened in 1967. But here we really have a story about another occupation, the occupation that happened in 1948. And so I wonder if you could talk a little bit or if you have any thoughts about the problematic with the term occupation. You know, how are we supposed to use it, um, And if we use it to describe the occupied territories, uh, to describe, you know, if we use that phrase to describe the West Bank and Gaza, then are we erasing this occupation that happened before?
0: Um, Well, I think that's a really good question. I thought maybe one of the ways I could answer that is if you notice the film is subtitled um, The Biography of a Present Absentee. And the term present absentee is really important here because it's a legal term and it refers to a law that was passed in 1950, which basically said that if you were Palestinian but not on um, the, the lands that you were claiming as your property, you became disenfranchised from them. So I think one of the ways to understand the story of Palestine and Palestinians is to really try and grasp at the ways that... Um, since 1948, but uh, intensively since 1948 and even before, the struggle with Zionism has really entailed uh, people being separated from their land and also being separated from one another. So in this story, um, it's, it, one of the important aspects of it is that the mother is writing to her sister-in-law, who's in Amman. And the, the story of the people in this film is the story of the 150,000 Palestinians who, after 1948, remained in what would then become Israel, which is 80 percent of historic Palestine, um, and that are today a million one one 1.2 million people. They make up about 20 percent of um, the Israeli. Uh, population. And so um, they, they constitute a bit of a, of a of a threat to the self-definition of Israel as both Jewish and democratic because they are sort of, as one scholar named Shira Robinson has recently called it, citizen strangers. So they're, they're citizens who have become estranged on their own land. And I think in order to really think through the um, struggle over Israel-Palestine, one really has to grasp this story. So there is the, the story of the occupation after 1967, but we can't really understand it without, beginning in 1948, um, beginning with what Palestinians call the catastrophe or the Nakba of 1948, when 700 to 800,000 Palestinians become refugees 150,000 Palestinians become present absentees or um, citizen strangers in in the state of Israel, um, and and, uh, the remaining are refugees outside. So yeah, I don't think we can really talk about the occupation without getting at that historical trajectory.
2: Yeah, and just to add a little bit to this Analysis as to the question of the, the problematic, of limiting the notion of occupation to the West Bank and Gaza Strip, uh, that occupation is not limited to those geographies or to the geography of historic Palestine itself. The, there, there's the potential in, in the way that we name things and in the vocabularies we use to describe them for all kinds of erasure. So in any geopolitical moment, the way that our terminologies connote don't always reflect uh, the, 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 the political approach we, we might otherwise support. So with, with occupation, I, I think it's something that can be inclusive not only of the West Bank and Gaza or the Palestinian citizens of Israel represented in, in, in the film, but of the Palestinians in refugee camps in Syria and Lebanon and, and, and Jordan. or Even those of Palestinian origin in the West who deal in different ways but deal nevertheless with, with some of the, the problematics of the conflict and deal with their own modes of, of repression vis-a-vis their relationship to their ancestral land. So, I mean, you know, it, it's, I believe that, that the, the, the problem you raise of, of the terminology of occupation being limited to the West Bank and Gaza in ways that, that it, it mightn't necessarily be or really being addressed in in part by the the, the emphasis that exists now on binationalism, you know, as, as an ultimate solution to to the conflict. And I think any emphasis on sort of a one state solution or binationalism or a federation or whatever you want to call it is at the very least a tacit acknowledgement that that nineteen forty eight is still occupied, but I'd say even more precisely colonized. And you know, and, and I don't know that the term occupation quite gets at a system of, of colonization in the way that it needs to be. And so it's it's in the same way you could say that um, you know, it, it, it's not much of a convincing political proposition to say that North America is still Occupied, right? but to say that North America is still colonized is something that, that resonates in a particular way. And, and I think that there's something comparable with, with that terminology that can be applied to, to, to 48 Palestine also.
1: Mm-hmm. So, moving on to my next question, and, and you both gestured to it about exile. Palestinians have been displaced in so many different ways that the term exile really encompasses a variety of experiences and relationships to Palestine. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about maybe what are some of those. I don't know that everyone in the audience is necessarily familiar with all of the the kinds of exile that Palestinians experience um, based on their geographic or territorial relationship to, to Palestine. Um, and also, how do you think that that affects the, how, how should I say, the the Palestinian political psyche or, the, or the, um, the ability for Palestinians to develop a kind of coherent political agenda with all of these various experiences of exile that don't necessarily map onto one another?
0: I'll let you go first this time. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: that's, that's, it's, it's, a, it's a great question, but one that doesn't have a simple or direct answer. I can talk about it a little bit from the the point of view of, of somebody who spent a decent amount of, of, of my professional life engaged in, in literary criticism, but uh, ex- exile has, has been a profound motif in Palestinian literature, Palestinian political writing, and then as we see here in Palestinian Film, uh, Edward Said wrote often and 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 very beautifully in, in moments of 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 exile and of so the the the, the kind of uh, burden of worldliness that exists for for Palestinians, which in other ways he saw as as a blessing. Darwish also, you know, spoke often of of. Palestine, not as a geography that's inhabited by the Palestinian, but how Palestine exists as an idea mm-hmm. to the palace, as as something that we wear as a charm on necklaces, something that we wear on T-shirts, you know, something that 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 we chant as as slogans, which doesn't and didn't for Darwish make it any less real. Right? He is just pointing out that. That that Palestine exists in particular ways in the Palestinian cultural imagination, even for for those who didn't grow up on the land, or in some cases, who haven't even visited the land. So, to, for, for me, uh, one of, one of the main features of 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 exile is the way that it it functions in the the Palestinian cultural and political imaginary. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, Exile. (laughs) Okay, Steve and I were just talking um, on our way over here, and I was telling him that one of the things that, uh, to add on to Edward Said, that has always really stayed with me Um, is his sort of attempt to explain how Palestinians, um, one of the central kind of emotive imperatives has been around the right to a remembered presence. And I think in the way that um, if you see this film or if um, you've been to refugee camps in Lebanon or in Syria, there's multiple kinds of exile. So there's the kind of exile, if you're a Palestinian in Israel, where it's still the place that you've inherited in your memory, but it isn't in many ways. Um, If you're a Palestinian refugee in Lebanon, um, for those of you who have ever visited these refugee camps, you'll often find that people recreate their neighborhoods according to the villages that they're from. Um, And this actually happens um, with internal refugees inside um, 1948, inside Israel. I think for a lot of us um, in diaspora, um, one of the things that we have to face is while we call for the right of return, there is also in front of us in so many ways the impossibility of return. So Mm -hmm. I'm a Palestinian and my family is from, uh, was born in 19, my parents were born in 1944. um, So they were children in the Nakba in 1948. And I was born in Lebanon and later, many years I would, um, many years later would marry a Palestinian from Nazareth, actually the Palestinian who did the set decor for this film, which was very beautiful, right? Um, And um, one of the things that's been very, very uh, instructive for me has been that um, I've made a home with him in, in the city of Haifa, which is where my family is from. And, in so many deep ways, I learned new things about being in exile there, because uh, many family homes that still are standing um, my sis- my grandmother 's school that is now a museum, I have returned in some ways, and in other ways it 's an impossible return mm-hmm. so I think that's one of the things um, the 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 kind of burden of worldliness perhaps the other thing I want to say um, to get back to the current political moment, one of the problems with Oslo from 1993, when um, the Palestinians, uh, when the when the Palestinian Authority began um, the so-called peace process um, in 1993, one of the main weaknesses and sticking points are the ways in which the Palestinians in the refugee camps. Have been and continue to be erased from the process of this so-called peace process, and 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 to understand this conflict, one has to really, really grasp um, at the, the 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 importance of the claims and demands of now what are now millions of people who are refugees um, and their and their and their um, demands to be able to return to their lands.
2: Yeah, I mean every 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 Palestinian by the age of two or three, sometimes earlier, knows what her or his ancestral village is. You see it in the camps and you see it in diaspora. You see it within the West Bank and within, um, quote unquote, Israel proper itself. And so these... These colonial erasures of, of Palestinian history and Palestinian geography are always tenuous because even villages that, that have long been destroyed or that no longer exist r- remain alive. And so these, these ties of, of ancestry are, are a, a profound uh, a component of what, what, what it is to be Palestinian, so even, removed from the the land itself right the 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 yeah. the geography is is absolutely crucial to 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 one's sense of of to one's sense of of self so that, you know there's there's um there are over 500 uh villages at least that that were depopulated in 1948 but those villages remain alive in very distinct ways so if you go to Shatila for example just south of, of Beirut a, a Palestinian refugee camp and ask a 5 year old where they're from they will tell you their ancestral village in Palestine they will say Shatila only in a specific context of being asked you know with with within sort of the, the Beirut metropolitan area but generally when it's 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 almost understood inherently that when when I am in conversation with somebody I know to be of Palestinian origin, and I ask that person, where are you from, that that person is going to tell me where his or her ancestral home is, and then only after will tell me that they're from Ramallah or Amman or Beirut or or whatever the case may be.
1: Given these very strong ties that last generations, I mean, people who... You know, have been in in the Shatila refugee camp for two generations. Children who have never seen Palestine and might never see Palestine have those ties. Um, I think it really puts front and center, center the concept of return, um, because the thing that I think unites all of these different experiences of exile is the certainty certainty that we're all returning. So, what does return look like? What how what just that's the question. What, what does it look like? How can we imagine um, return? And Shirin, you, you gave us an example from your own life of how, um, you know, when you can return, it's not going to be the same, of course, you're not returning to the same thing. But even still, um, you know, people are holding this, this, um, this aspiration, this desire, they're not letting go. And so, what would that look like if that were to come to fruition?
0: Um what would it look like? Um, I think that for, you know, and this is something that we were talking about earlier and, and something that Steve touched on at an early, um, at, after your first question, which is um, what does, what, what can Palestine mean to people who aren't connected to it? And I think one of the things it can mean is to really try and imagine a just future And I think imagining a just future for me, um, you know, is, must necessarily include what are now three or four generations of um, Israeli Jews who live on the land of Palestine and who live on the land of Israel. I think we have to find ways to think through what does a just future Future mean for Palestinians um, in this context of now 100 years of settler colonialism. Um, I think to think through that, um, we've been, you know, we've sort of been um, quite burdened by um, both kind of the geopolitical interest in in Israel Palestine and then uh, a great deal of, um, you know, essentially. The story of Palestine, the story of Israel, is the story of our modern day times, because it's linked in a very um, painful and tragic way to the history of European Jews. And it's linked um, very closely as well to the history of the Shoah, which is what um, scholars who are critical, um, his, uh, uh, Holocaust, Holocaust studies scholars who are critical, what they call the Holocaust is Shoah, which is also a catastrophe. Um, and I think we have to think through the ways in which these catastrophes are linked. And I think we have to think through a future in which um, everyone who lives on this land, who um, has the right to return this to this land, are equal citizens. And as the, the conditions as it stands now is that there are a set of laws if you are an Israeli Jew, and there are a set of laws if you are a Palestinian, and that condition isn't sustainable. So I think the question of what does return look like is a really powerful one, and I think we have to imagine it very creatively. But I think to continue in the condition that we are now is a frightening prospect for everyone. Um, And and I think this is also something we had talked about earlier, which is that the condition that we are in now, um, and one of the things that occupation doesn't capture, is that the condition in Israel-Palestine now is really a one-state condition. It isn't a one-state solution. It is a one-state condition in which the, uh, uh, the state of Israel is basically um, in charge and in control of all of the people living in historic Palestine um, in Israel proper, in the West Bank, and in Gaza. Um, so these two separate legal frameworks isn't sustainable, and I would hope that what return looks like would be a just future for everyone on, on this piece of land. I'm going to ask
1: one more question, then we'll turn it over to the audience. In both of your answers, you gestured toward the, the way that, um, I guess, the futures or the destinies of Palestinians and Israelis or Palestinians and even um, Jewish people around the world are very, very tightly intertwined um, to the extent that they really can't be separated anymore. There was some representation of that in the film that we watched tonight, some, a lot. Um, and in most instances in the film, unlike the reality that we know today, the Palestinian character has the upper hand in a way. And so uh, toward the end in the, in the emergency room, you see the, the young Palestinian guy and he's handcuffed to an mm-hmm. Israeli police. And the Israeli police is supposed to be dragging him around. he's obviously under arrest, um, but it's the young it's the young guy who's dragging him wherever he wants to. he wants to get a cigarette. he wants to say hi to his friends. Um, there's another scene in which the father wants to go save the the Israeli soldier, which is also chock full of other kinds of interesting ideas. Um, and this. But the the first soldier is telling him, don't get out of the car, turn around, go, and the guy's just completely not listening to him. Um, and then there's the beginning and close to the end imagery of the Israeli chauffeur who's driving around the Palestinian filmmaker. I mean, he's the chauffeur. Um, and all of these images show a kind of Relationship between Israelis and Palestinians, which is at least at, at least not the Israelis driving things I mean except for the chauffeur literally driving the car but but he's even in sort of a service position. In other words, the Israelis and the Palestinians are um, are obviously having to negotiate this movement together. Um, what do you think about the, the choices that the filmmaker made in portraying the relationship that way? Do you think it's accurate? Do you think it's farcical? Is it a productive point of departure for conversations about how how the two peoples can move forward?
0: Um. <laughs> um, so I, I want to say a couple of things um, about the film and about Ilie Sleiman. First, I think the role of silence in this film is very important. And, and I think that is an important move in and of itself because this is a um, much talked about um, place, right? And, and a lot of ideology and a lot of dogma. And I think part of what Sleiman is doing in this film is he's producing a work of art that's a film and he I think would want to be appreciated as a as an artistic filmmaker in many of the same ways that Darwish, Mahmoud Darwish used to always say, I want to be recognized as a poet, not just a Palestinian poet. So right, so there's part of that there's part of this um, that's really going on here. Um, the other part I think um, that I really appreciate about this film and about Sleiman's work more generally, um, you know, and he has this you know, sort of uh, relentlessly silent role, right? He doesn't speak, and, and he does this in each of the films of the trilogy. And I think one of the things that I really appreciate about it is that um, he's a little bit decentering sort of the narrative of. Um, the colonizer and his shadow. Um, he's decentering all of that, and it's sort of less about that relationship as the only way to think about the past, the present, and the future, and more about sort of how do we um, make sense of and critique and laugh about our realities. And and I think this is what. Um, you know, you can see in a lot of in a lot of Palestinian art um, and um, film and music, um, and contemporary art um, is humor, and I think that humor, even if it's black humor, sometimes um, is is one of the ways to perhaps imagine the metaphor of return, right? Mm-hmm allowing ourselves to laugh a little bit about the absurdity of, this, of these situations. So the way that I read this film is through those lenses. It's, it's, it's not a map for what do, how is the relationship between um, Israelis and Palestinians and what should it look like. Do you see what I mean? I mean, I think you know, the, the, this, the scene around the fishing... Um, and this repetitive sort of nuisance, right? It's not, it's not threatening, it's not necessarily... It's a nuisance of just, you know, leave us alone, <laughs> right? Um, but it's a very kind of imbricated in this kind of daily life and in that sense, much more complicated, much more mundane struggle. Um, you know, and I think the way he ends it with staying alive is... Mm-hmm pretty potent right he's just like we're going you know we're we're staying alive and we're doing this and 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 I think um one of one of the ways to do that is perhaps to step out of the kind of relationship to um the, the, you know this kind of box of the the colonial and his shadow and the colonial and his other and to just say let's let's do something a bit different
2: yeah it's a the, the, the questions of of the film being farcical or, or, or accurate are or a lot more complicated than they first seem it's, The film is absolutely farcical <laughs> there 's no doubt about that at the same time um, a, along with its farcical characteristics, I noticed that that suman is it, it, you know in, in, to this sentimental viewer anyway. Uh, Really skilled at at, at creating a, a type of of effect of, of you know, I, I thought that some of the scenes with the father were were remarkably moving, some of them were really sad there, you know there 's a lot poignant here, and, and he manages to deliver that poignancy with, without any sort of cloying dialogue or, or hell without even any dialogue at all sometimes <laughs> and, 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 and uh, in, in terms of, of its, 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 its accuracy, it's accurate to the logic of or illogic of the type of story that he mm-hmm. wants to tell. It doesn't matter whether it's accurate or not. I, I did note that for, for for a film that is so interested in in the kind of decentering that 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 Shireen analyzed. It, it, it's interesting the way that it moves through history chronologically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, from, from yeah. I guess uh, you know nineteen forty eight ish until the late you know
0: early nineties. Yeah, or was it early nineties? Or, or maybe later. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. thought
2: sometime in the two thousands. Yeah, two thousands. Yeah, yeah. You know, Post
0: not, Oslo. Yeah, not
2: quite sure. I mean, there weren't yeah. enough cues. Yeah, know, maybe, yeah. Maybe some internet browsing or something would have helped. But, right. Uh, <laughs> <you> know, it's. <laughs> it's uh, it's, it's accurate in the sense that he's telling a story that is particular to his experience, but one that at the same time has the ability very much to be universal. Mm-hmm. The story that we can recognize beyond, I think, a particular engagement with the conflict or a particular national boundary. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, if, you, if you believe that the film works, Right, as a as a bit of art or as a, a representation of a particular story, then yeah, it's accurate. Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. Thank you for obliging my questions. And now we'll turn to the audience for any of your questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I was uh, taken by you know Shireen's description of the film,
3: and I agree with you that too often we see you know the bombs and the terror in these narratives. And for me. Um, the film was kind of deafening in its quietness of uh-huh. uh-huh. uh, that. And actually, I think Stephen will probably be able to answer this. It struck me that, particularly at the point where the mother is sitting on the balcony and she's older and there are fireworks and she turns away from them, this is also about indigeneity, somebody uh-huh. who has not moved, people yes. who have not moved but to who have been unsettled consistently and constantly, right. and it struck me that in the 80s and the 90s, the major discourse on Palestine was through a critique of colonialism through the work of Edward Said. It oh. was all about worldliness. But there's a new alliance and solidarity with indigenous studies Absolutely. now, uh, I think, which is very interesting. Uh, compar- we've already brought up the comparative indigeneity. So I was wondering if you could speak to what does it mean to be indigenous? In Palestine, mm-hmm. wow,
2: that's a, a big question. Yeah, <laughs> I was just going to say it's a big question. Did Did, did you, wanna die no, all, you want all, to dive into all add? yours? Yeah. Oh boy, okay. Um, <laughs> it, it It means first and foremost, in in my opinion. Uh, lo- locating your very sense of of being and your sense of ancestry in that particular geography, which isn't necessarily exclusive to to Palestinians. I, I, I when I contemplate this this question, I, I realize uh, just just how difficult it can be to answer. You think of of a notion of a. a you know, a Jewish uh, diaspora, well, a notion of diaspora can't exist without the corresponding notion of a homeland. You know, so there are, are really profound and in some cases compelling notions of uh, Jewish indigeneity there. Mm-hmm. But that those notions of uh, Jewish indigeneity also precede Zionism. Mm-hmm. And I don't see a compelling narrative of, of indigeneity in Zionist discourses. Mm-hmm. I see them in, in certain religious and cultural discourses that that, that exist in, in 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 Jewish communities, and and those are the ones that, that I find um, more compelling. I, I, I think sometimes of the mechanics of indigeneity in the region, you, you, the way that hell I don't know the way that the way that the Israeli army bulldozes olive groves, that that to me is about as as damning uh, a commentary on the Israeli relationship with the land as, as you can ever possibly find, because no Palestinian would ever destroy a healthy olive tree, right? Though, you know, the, the way that Israel, the Israeli state, uh, you know, uh, uh, sort of plans communities, not with any eye towards being integrated with the landscape, but with the express purpose of demographic manipulation. That strikes me as, as remarkably important. And also the way that the Palestinian identity itself is tied into things that that are ancient or established, the terracing in certain villages, the maintenance of, of olive trees, which, you know, if if you haven't been fortunate enough to work with, with olive trees. Um, you know, you know that they they take years, twenty, thirty years sometimes to bear fruit, but then they can bear fruit for centuries. You know, there are olive trees that have been dated, you know, around two thousand years. You know, they're they're absolutely uh, remarkable and, and they're symbols not only of, of a landscape, but they're symbols of, of a cultural and 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 geographical and, and, and in many ways political identity. I think of the way that Palestinian place names are so crucial to the landscape, and the way that Palestinian surnames themselves are often place names mm-hmm. the way that that, that, that we're, we're named after the the, the geographies, geographies with which we 're associated names like uh, makaccadici mm-hmm. you know is, is, is you know a a place name that's associated with Jerusalem for for example. But you know the, and it goes on and on. Salaita is a place name. It's it's a place name in Jordan, right? But uh, you know, we, 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 we see the ways that 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 you cannot separate any functional understanding of Palestinian culture or Palestinian identity from the 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 histories and the ecology of of this particular landscape, quite simply, and, and to put it crudely, Palestinians didn't have to re-reconceptualize villages in mm-hmm. in hebraized fashion or, or turn to uh, you know, biblical or, or, or script, scriptural descriptors in in order to to create. A sense of place the, the, the sense of place is precisely what has constituted Palestinian culture if, 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 I don't know if that makes any sense but mm-hmm. I'm kind of spitballing but I, I could go on for like another seven hours but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give Shireen a
0: well I, I just <laughs> want to say about that scene um, because one of the things that's really really crucial about this film is his play with the music and each of the pieces really have Very specific significance for, um, you know, consumers of this music um, of the 70s, the 80s, the 40s, right? So it's very, very, very well kind of placed and thought out um, 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 soundscape in this film. And one of the things that's going on when, when, he, when, she's, when the fireworks are happening and she has the picture of her, of her husband mm-hmm. and um, she has um, everybody sort of you know, moving around her and, and the music that cuts out, which is the music that he's listening to as he's going to Ramallah in the service, mm-hmm. is, a, is a song that's saying, Leave Me Alone, Sibunianas. And it's, for me, that's what that scene was about. It was about, you know, because there is a lot of this that is also autobiographical. So while a lot of this is... um, is kind of playing on the absurd. He's also, much of these stories are stories that his father told him before 1948. And, and it is a commemoration of his mother's death. So was also about death and dying and just normal everyday kind of people things, right? Um, and so I think for me that was that moment it was a very powerful kind of statement about death and mourning and her missing her man and her love. And um, the thing I wanted to say about indigeneity which I know much less about, um, so I won't say much about it at all, except that one of the things I think um, to think through, and this is something that I learned from Ella Shohat sort of early on, um, and something I struggle with a lot in my own work, because I write about the mandate period, and I've tried to avoid what Edward Said called the malicious simplifications of the category of Arab and Jew, um, Mm. which only became mutually exclusive as a result of Zionism and Arab nationalism. And there's a way that Ella Shohat in her writings about what it means to be an Iraqi Jew, you know, does this amazing thing where she sort of switches the order, uh, um, the biblical order of at the river's of Babylon, we sat and wept for Zion. And she says, at the rivers of Zion, we sat and wept for Babylon. Mm-hmm. And and I think this is important to keep in mind um, when we're thinking through what this indigene- indigeneity mean. And, and here I do want to get back to the broader Arab context in mm-hmm. which now displacement has become... I mean, you know, when I talk to Syrians, I'm like... <sighs> My Nakba, your, your Nakbas, yeah. you know, or Iraqis, Syrians, um, you know, the, the you know, Christian communities in Mosul that have been around forever. So I think that there's a, mm-hmm. um, a, a deeper, longer, difficult conversation in which we're really thinking through what the last two centuries have meant for people in the Middle East. And then I think the, the solidarity building is really around settler colonialism for me. Um, like that's, that's the, you know, and, 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 and I was telling Steve before, um, I was up in Oakland this, um, weekend and, and at this, uh, um, black Palestinian New Solidarity mural in Oakland, and I saw this young man wearing a shirt that said, um, Palestinian, born in California, bred in Palestine. I was like, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I need that shirt." Um, but, but, you know, I mean, I think the conversations around what does it mean to be a survivor of um, settler colonialism, and, and and what does it mean to be in an ongoing relationship to settler colonialism, and for me, being back in California after a very long absence one of the things that's been so painful is the ways in which settler colonialism has, has been so successful here that it, it's almost invisible, right? And it's almost, it's hard to, to, to call it out, right? And, and I think that's the work that, that I think Palestine can help with and can contribute to. We have, okay, we'll have
4: one and more question. Celia. My question was uh, partly answered because I was going to ask about the music. And how uh, every uh, the remarks were about the silence, but yeah, well, the film didn't have in dialogue; it had in music. So, since I'm illiterate in the language of the music here, I was very curious, particularly the the first piece when the soldiers uh, ransack the things in the house, and there's the vitriol, is that vitrol—and and the the man, you know. Listens to what, what is that music? It's, and, and um, then,
0: <laughs> it's, yeah. a, it's a singer called Asmahan, mm-hmm. um, and she's singing El Bidalili, which is mm-hmm. My Heart is My Guide. Mm-hmm. And she's playing with the tango music that's so popular at that time. Uh-huh. And um, it's re- I love it, it's really beautiful. Yeah. And that's what he's listening to in the car outside of the pharmacy. That's when exactly he's what heard. I was going to ask, yeah. it was the same song. Yeah, so yeah. It was, but
4: it was the song that the Israelis and he, and, and, and he liked. So both of them. I mean, when, or yeah. what is the meaning? Because they were taking the things out of the house and they play the music. The soldiers. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I then, mean,
0: you know, I mean, Alex. I don't know. Is
2: it? Is it? It's an interesting. I, I was thinking about that scene. Is it where I don't feel like we're certain that the Israelis necessarily like the music. The soldiers. Mm-hmm. They're playing it, but they don't seem to be reactive to. They're more reactive to the objects that they're stealing. Right. You know, yeah.
0: And, and he's doing this kind of you know funny dance where they're. Doing yeah, the exactly. folding with the curtain, yes. and it's kind of, you know, yeah. Woody Allen, Charlie Chaplin yeah. type of. Yeah, yeah, right? Um, but, you know, do, Israeli, do Israelis like um, Arabic music? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah oh, yeah. yeah. No, totally. but I, I, know, I know that. But, yeah, yeah. You know, in, in the film, it was particularly.
4: Oh, I see. You what know, you mean. The, 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 precisely the point is this that the, it, it uh, for me, in a way, I felt, even though I don't understand the music, it looks like it's the dialogue. Yeah yeah it is it, the contact yeah Wait, and all he the time. even right. disco plays and everywhere is the music is everywhere and is what everybody sharing in a way
0: yeah yeah right? i agree so, and and also with the i mean this funny scene with the woman who dresses up as a soldier the wife who yeah. dresses up. Yeah. So that song is this song, Linda, Linda, yeah, Linda. It's like the, a 70s song. It's yeah. a really canonical, <laughs> it's like, uh, you just feel the 70s, you know? And, yeah, then, yeah. and then the last scene with the disco, he's also making exactly. the, yeah, the, the sort of, the soldiers are getting down, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so yeah,
4: it was very strong. Very, I love the film. It's, it's amazing. It's really Yeah, awesome. it's a great film. I don't want to talk
1: Thank you so much for all of your questions and for staying with us through this discussion.
0: You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.